26 new members. Uh, we haven't done membership in a while, so uh, you may have seen some faces up there that you've seen here for a while. Uh, we just we haven't had uh, membership since before COVID. Uh, I rewrote membership from when Pastor Tom had run the church, so it's a little bit different. Uh, eventually, we're going to have everyone in the church go through membership again. Uh, so we will we'll be having you do that in the future. We'll let you know when that when that's a time to happen. But. Amen, amen, amen. God is doing something awesome here at Redeeming Love. He is bringing people in. He's bringing people back in, and uh, it is good. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Ah, man, I don't know. The Holy Spirit was just all over, all over the place this morning. I don't even know where to go. I've got a message planned, but, you know, it's always, uh, it's always his, it's always his, his will. Um, First of all, Holy Spirit Encounter Night this Wednesday night. So if you have the opportunity, please, 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 please get to Holy Spirit Encounter Night this Wednesday night at 6.30. Come on out. We're going to listen, move with, and welcome the Holy Spirit. We're going to welcome, listen, and move with the Holy Spirit. The whole idea here is that the Holy Spirit is in us, working and willing for his good pleasure. Our job is is to learn to listen and hear him and then step out and obey and do what he's asked us to do. What is God asking you to do? Step out and do it. Step out in obedience and do it. And so if you're not sure how this process works, come on out on Wednesday night. If you know how this process works, come on out on Wednesday night. If you're really good at how this process works, come on out on Wednesday night. And so there's no reason why you shouldn't come. I mean, unless you can't, unless you can't but... Uh, we would love to have you all out there. Um, it's always a good time. We see healings, words of knowledge, all kinds of stuff, so don't miss that. Going to be wrapping up Just walk, walk Across the Room today. So this is the final message. It's been a 10-week series. We've been talking about Just Walk Across the Room. We've been talking about sharing our faith for 10 weeks. I'm here to tell you guys something. Right? I know that this is the end of the sermon series, but this is not the last time you're going to hear me get up here and say, hey, share your faith. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop until you're all doing it, until you're all doing it well. The whole idea of this sermon series, the whole idea of this small group was to put tools in your hands to give you the ability to do it better. And until we start to see results, we're not going to let up on the fact that we need to do this. We all need to do this. It is not just for the evangelist to share your faith. It's for all of us, every single Christian believer. It's, it's, a, it's the believer's responsibility to share your faith, not the evangelist. Ephesians 4 says, God has given the pastor, the, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher for the equipping of the saints. It's so that the evangelist can teach us how to better share our faith. We're all to share our faith, every one of us, every one of us. If you're here and you're a Christian, go share your faith with someone. Go tell someone about Jesus. Go tell someone what he did in your life. <sighs> Today's message is entitled Open Doors, and uh, I'm excited. God's doing great things. The Lord shared something with me recently. Let me, I'm going to share a few thoughts before I get into the, what I have for a message today. What, the, the Lord shared a few things to me. He, sa he said this to me. He said one of the biggest hindrances to revival in the church is Christians who won't go to church. And it's not, I don't say this by way of condemnation, no condemnation. That's not my point here. But 
Think about how many Christians you know that don't go to church. You probably thought about two or three already, and I have, we haven't even given you a minute. What would happen if those two or three people that you know, and I know, and you know, and you know, we all know, came here? We'd have two and three services. We'd start a second campus. Then what would happen? Suddenly, there'd be like, people would be like, hey, everybody's going back to church. Something's going on. How do we solve that problem? I don't know. That, that is what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> but one of the ways that we do that is we just walk across the room and we talk to them. We say, hey, listen, you need to be at church. I'm not trying to have condemnation here, but you need to be at church. You need to come. Be with us. Come and do what we do. Like, check this scripture out. Lord, I, I read this this week. I was like, wow, that's great. It can take me a second to find it. It's in Second Chronicles. Chapter 5, I believe. can't find it. It's there. This is what I read this week. It says, the house that I build, this is Solomon, Second Chronicles chapter 5, 4, 3, somewhere's in there. Can't find it. It's there. He says, the house that I'm going to build, Solomon's temple, cannot contain God. The heavens, it can't even contain him. But what the house that I'm going to build will contain is the sacrifices that we will bring to him. Nothing's changed. I know, I know Jesus changed everything, but this remains the same. This building that we stand in today that's called the church does not contain, the, contain God. It may contain his presence at a point, and it does, but what it really contains is it contains the sacrifice that we would bring to him. Will we bring him a sacrifice? This is what we're here to do today. We're here to bring a sacrifice to God, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of ourselves, a sacrifice of our time. This is why we come to church. And then he pours out his blessing on us just for being here. It says during the, this whole portion, I read from 2 through 7, 8. That's why I can't find it because I read all too much. I should have found it before we came up. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the presence filled the temple to the point where the priest couldn't even walk into the place. Come on. Come on. Second Chronicles chapter 2. Somebody found it for me. Thank you. The, the, the presence filled the place to the point where the priests couldn't even walk into the place. That's what I'm looking for. I want the presence of God to fill this place. I want the church to be such a place. I want everyone to come back. Prodigals come home, yeah. Lost come home, yeah. Hurting come home, yeah. There's healing in the house of God. Why is it that, that we haven't put such a, a, a priority on being in the, in the house of the Lord? Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Why have we not put a, a premium on the presence of the Lord in the house of the Lord? 
Number one, because the, the power hasn't been here. The presence hasn't been here. But I'm telling you, it's here. We've seen healing after healing after healing. All you need to do is come. If you're watching online, come. I'm telling you, the presence is all over this place. I know you feel it at home, but feel it in the room. Come to the room. Feel it in the room. It, 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 it lives a little different when it's right there in front of you, when you're touching it. There's no place like the house of God. What did your dad say? There, there's no safer place to be than in the house of God. Amen. Amen. There's no better place to be than in the house of God. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than, than anywhere, than anything. Just, just don't take your presence from me. Revival's coming. Revival's coming. You are all walk across the room people now. You're all people who have been taught, trained, given tools to walk across the room to talk to somebody that you're not necessarily comfortable with talking with and helping them, encouraging them in their faith, encouraging them back to the Lord. And so this week, I want to encourage you. Christmas is coming. We've got two services, four and six. Do you know why? Because we can't fit the number of people that are going to be coming for Christmas in this building in one, in one shot. And that's why we have two services. We're going to need two. You're going to invite your friends. You're going to invite your family. You're going to invite those people that you know that should be here that aren't here. And then they're going to come. And we can't keep them all in one place, in, in one service, so we have to have two. We were sitting in, in, our, in our team leads meeting, and we, were, we start talking about Christmas. And it was the team who, who threw out, and they're like, we need to have two services. And I'm like, well, yeah, we do. I didn't even recommend it. They recommended it. I'm telling you. I mean, you guys, you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. It doesn't take a mathematician to count numbers and say, hey, we're all not going to fit. 5,000 mailers went out. If even only a portion of those come, engage, and invite cards will be here shortly so that you can personally invite. Do you know what the number one most important thing in someone coming to church is? Personal invitation. You inviting them. We do the mailers. Yes, we have our sign out by the street. We do everything that we do. You know the number one most important thing? You inviting someone else. Do you know how I came to church? Someone invited me. Someone said, hey, come to church with me. And I said, okay. And here I am. How did I get here? Someone invited me. One person invited me. You have the power. We all have the power. And now that we have the tools to be able to use it, let's put it to use. Let's make a list this Christmas. Who are we inviting? 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 Next week, I'm going to have a, a 1 through 10 list. Write down those names, 1 through 10. Put it up on your refrigerator. Start to pray for them. Start to pray for them. Start to pray. We're going to read here in a minute. Start to pray for open doors, for an open door of opportunity. You pray for an open door, God's going to give you an open door. And then you're just going to have to be obedient. Amen? All right. That was good, Pastor Matt. Let's jump into the message. All right. Luke 5, 27, 29. After these things, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi, also known as Matthew, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, 
rose up and followed Jesus. He left all, everything that he had. Tax collectors were very rich. He left it. He had a great job, the best job. I'm telling you, man, he's making it hand over fist. He left it. He got up from his place. He took action, and he followed Jesus. Then Levi gave him a great feast. Then Jesus gave Jesus Then Levi, Matthew, gave Jesus a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. Matthew gets saved. He learns, I'm sure, just a little bit about Jesus and who he is and what he's doing. And he starts to get this picture of what's going on, what the gospel's all about. I don't know that he's got the full picture yet, because this is pretty quick. Verse, you know, one to the next. And what does he do? He says, all right, listen, you know, I'm in... I get this. I get this gospel. I understand what Jesus is talking about here. But you know what? I want all my tax collector sinner buddies to get in on this too. You know, they told me about a deal. You know, they told me about how I could become a tax collector. They told me how to do this. They told me how to do that. They told me, you know, this is the best place to buy my my ribs and my... my, uh, baklava, whatever it is they buy. This is the best place to do this than do that. I want to share with them the best thing and the only thing that they really need, eternity. So he has this party. He has this Matthew party. It's like, hey, we're going to have a party. I'm going to invite all my sinner friends, all those who don't know Jesus, and I'm going to invite Jesus and all the disciples, all of those who do know Jesus. And if just hanging around Jesus and just rubbing elbows with with Peter and just seeing John, you know, just this interaction, if just one or two come to Christ, then it's all worth it. Then it's all worth it. This Christmas, you're going to have parties at your house, right? Holiday season's coming. Your, Your schedule's probably already full, right? You got the cookie baking and you've got the Christmas tree decorating and you got the the, this house and that house you got to go to, and you got this party and the Christmas party. If you're, if you're at a party this Christmas, if you're at a party this season coming up, when you're there, pray that the Holy Spirit, as you're, as you're headed there, pray that the Holy Spirit opens doors. When you get there, use your eyes and look around and begin to just see, who can I speak to about the Lord? Lord, who would you have me talk to today? Because they're ready People are ready. We just got to know where to go. And we'll never figure it out. We're, I'm not that smart. But I have some inside information. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. And this is where I need to pray and welcome and listen and move with what we're learning here on a Wednesday night. How do I hear the Holy Spirit and then step out and do it? You listen. Step one is hearing the Holy Spirit, just sensing you know what, for whatever reason, that person right there is, is lit up to me and I just feel like I gotta go talk to that person. So I go and I talk to that person. And we started in conversation and nope, I missed it. Wasn't supposed to talk to that person. So then I just look again. And then all of a sudden someone else is lit up to me and I'm like, maybe that's the one. I'll go try this one. Failed again. Hey, three, three, three strikes and you're out? No. I can fail again and again and again and again and again. And God's just still happy that I'm trying. But I will get it right, and I have learned to get it right. And as I continue, as I continue, I get it right more often than I get it wrong. And so this season, as you're invited to those parties, 
Pray for those open doors. Look for those people to speak to. And maybe, maybe God will give you the faith to host a Matthew party. Invite some of your unsaved friends and invite some of your saved friends. If you want to invite me, you can. I can't say that I can make every party. My schedule's already full too. But I would love the invitation even if I can't make it. Right? Invite some, invite some people who you know are going to share the gospel. It doesn't always have to come down to you. It can't always come down to me. It doesn't always have to come down to you. Invite someone else. Invite Pastor Tom. I think his schedule is more booked than me. There's a funny thing about people when they retire. He's semi-retired, I understand, I think. There's a funny thing about, <laughs> funny thing about people when they retire. My grandfather was this way. All of a sudden, you had to make an appointment to see the guy. I'm like, what in the world? How does this work? I don't know. Invite someone. You're just your friends. Who do you hang out with? Who's in your small group? Invite them to your party. Who knows? Maybe your small group friend will talk to your, your brother, your sister, your relative, that uncle that you've been wanting to come to Christ forever, and it'll make a difference, and they'll come. Verse 30, and the scribes and the Pharisees complained against Jesus' disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why are you eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Because they need Jesus. How are they going to hear if I don't go? How are they going to hear if you don't tell them? Here's the most important plan in all of human history. The distribution of the gospel. And God has entrusted you. And God needs you to open your mouth. I'm doing it all I can, anytime I can, everywhere I can. You know, even in places where they won't let me, I do it. I'm telling people about Jesus. I don't know that there's places where they won't let me tell them, but I'll tell them anyways. I've gotten, I don't know if I've ever gotten in trouble. I think we have. We got in trouble uh, down at handing out the candy this year. That's okay. We'll go back again. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Because those are the people who need Jesus. You know what the pro, you know what one of the problems with most of us, or not most of us, uh, Christianity, you know what one of the problems is, is, is that we refuse to hang out with the unsaved. How are you going to save someone if they don't need saving? You can't save the saved. They're already saved. You got to hang around the unsaved if you want to see the unsaved get saved. How are you going to get the unsaved saved if you're, if you're not with them, if you're not talking to them? That doesn't make any sense at all. If I'm going to go and put up ceiling tiles, I have to go to the place where there are no ceiling tiles. Or I have to go in and take out the ceiling tiles that are there to put up new ceiling tiles. If I'm going to go down and put down a carpet, I either have to go in and pull up the carpet or I have to go to a place where there is no carpet. You don't put carpet over carpet. Occasionally you do put shingles over shingles, but I've been told that that breaks down the guarantee of the shingle by half. Don't do it. You have to go someplace where they need Jesus if you're going to preach Jesus. And we don't find ourselves in those places too often. And then when we do, we're afraid to talk about him. So number one, don't be afraid to hang out with sinners. Expect that they're going to do this. They're going to actually, they're going to sin. Because sinners sin. And then on top of it, sinners brag about their sin. 
right? You don't need to condemn them for it. Your presence is actually enough condemnation. When I walk into the room and someone starts to talk about how they're sleeping with their girlfriend, there's actually, and they know that I'm a pastor or a Christian, there's actually a bit of condemnation that they feel simply by me walking in the room. It's called the Holy Spirit. I don't need to say anything. I don't need to do anything. When I walked in the room, Jesus came with me. Holy Spirit came with me. And suddenly their heart is being like, man, I'm not feeling okay right now. They start, they start doing the 10-cent the shuffle like, you don't need to say, hey, you're in sin, get right. They know. You know what they need to know? They need to know that Jesus loves them anyways. They need to know that Jesus accepts them anyways. They need to know that there is a better way. That's what we're here to do. Glory to God. Matthew 9, 35 through 36. Then Jesus went about all of the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He went about their synagogues. He went about the cities. He went about the villages, preaching the gospel, telling them what they needed to do to be saved. And there's power that went along with him. He was healing diseases. He was healing sicknesses. He was casting out demons. There was power associated with it. Get ready to be moving with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're not familiar with how to do this, come on out on a Wednesday night. We're, we're learning. We're learning. I'm not saying we're perfect. We're learning. And then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. Listen, listen, guys. There's a lot of people that need saving. There's a lot of people that are ready to be saved. They're ready to cross over the threshold into salvation. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. What's the whole point of this sermon series? Why am I not going to let this go? Because the laborers are few. We need more laborers. We need more people to talk about the gospel. We need more people to pray for the sick and see them healed. We need more people to share the news that Jesus loves them. That's what we need. That's the laborers that we need. And until, guys, we're all on the same page and we're all laboring in the field and we're all reaping the harvest and we're all bringing people to Christ, I'm not going to stop talking about it. I've actually already got it on the schedule again for next year. <laughs> I've got one Amen. Obviously, see, this is the signs. You guys not amening me down when I'm saying it's on the schedule for next year. That's why it's on the schedule for next year. <laughs> yeah, too late. <laughs> now you're just being manipulative. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray... Jesus instructs his disciples to pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest field. Can anybody pray this prayer with me? Raise your hand high. I, I know, sometimes I don't want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand high if you'll pray this prayer with me. 
Go ahead. I want to see your way up. Way up. Keep it down if you're not going to pray it. Keep it down if you're not going to pray it. I'm serious. Don't put your hand up if you're not serious about praying this prayer. Are you going to pray? Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. You're going to pray that? You're going to pray that? You on board with me? You're praying this? God, send out laborers. Pray it with me. God, send out laborers. God, send out laborers. God, send out laborers. God, send out laborers. Awesome. You know what happens in the next chapter? Those 12 guys that just prayed, send out laborers into the harvest field, they become the laborers. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) Yes. You prayed it, guess what's going to happen? You're a laborer. Now go home and keep praying it. Now go home and keep praying it. Go home and keep praying it. Go home and keep praying it. I'm not kidding. It's not, it's not a chapter or two later. I have to have my Bible flip through. It's not a chapter or two later where Jesus says, okay, now go to the cities and begin to preach the gospel. It's the sending out of the 12. He sends out the 12 to preach the gospel. And what happens when they go? Miracle signs and wonders happen everywhere as they go. They come back and they're like, we'll call down fire from heaven. You know, we told those people to stop casting out demons because they're not part of our group, Jesus. They're getting it all wrong. Then Jesus is like, hey, this is perfect. Let's send out 70 more. The kingdom works a little bit different than what we're used to. Pray that the Lord would send out laborers. You're the laborer that he's looking for. I want revival to happen in the city of Troy. I want to see Troy saved like it was years ago. Finney came to Finney came to town years and years and years ago, right? Before Finney came, you know who was here? Class, anyone? Nash. Nash came. Who's Nash? He was the prayer guy. He was the intercessor. We'll put a better word on it. Find that. He was the intercessor. He came here. I don't know how long uh, before beforehand he came. Was it a week? Was it a month? Was it two months? Was it three months? And he began to pray. He began to pray over the city of Troy. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed, as was his pattern, as was Finney's pattern. In every city that he went to all across the, the northeast, there was prayer that went out before the preaching. So much so that when Finney comes to town, comes to Troy, and he walks into the factory downtown, I don't know which building it was, Linda knows, the Cluett building, this is what I'm hearing, every machine stopped. He hadn't spoken a word. Every machine stopped. Why? They started weeping at their machines. The seamstresses at their machines that were sewing the collars. They begin to weep. Why? Because the presence of God filled the room. Why? Because Nash prayed it here. Because Nash prayed it here. We give Finney all the credit, and yeah, he gets it because he's the mouthpiece. But what about the intercessors that go before him? I'm so, I'm so overjoyed to be in a church where there's been an intercessor on the wall that will not rest day or night. And we are a people who pray, and we will not give rest. God rest day or night until we see revival come. We will intercede, but it's, it's time for the mouthpieces to go forth. There has been intercession for 30 and 40 years There's been intercession over this city, and the presence of God is here. It's in this room. It's in this place. It's with all of you, and it's time for the mouthpieces to start to open. 
It's time for you to start to open your mouth and declare the gospel and start to pray for healings because we're going to see it in the streets. It's going to happen, and it's happening now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where the switch gets flipped. Today is the day. I'm waiting for the day where I walk into the coffee shop and suddenly people just start weeping over their cup of coffee. Come on. I'm ready. Pray that the Lord of the harvest send out laborers into his harvest field. It seems like such a small prayer. But this is the launching of the gospel. This is the launching of the gospel. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers, send. The word send there is to thrust violently. It, it, it's this violent sending. It's, it's being thrust out. It's not just like, oh, well, we'll go see what happens. No, it's like, I've got to go. Second Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. And this is the part of the scripture that I quote all the time. Second Peter 3.9b. And I don't always remember the address. Not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that anyone should perish, but God wants everyone to come to the repentance, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God's heart is for every single person on planet Earth, 8 billion people. God's heart is for every single one to be saved. When you walk down the street, and you see someone, and they're breathing. One qualification, they're breathing. It's all, it's all, they, need to be, all they need to do is be alive. If they're breathing, God wants them saved. If they're dead, it may be too late. But if they're breathing, God wants them saved. All, the only qualification for, them to want to be, for God to want them to be saved is that they're alive. If you're alive, God wants you saved. There's no, there's no two ways about it. it is ne you don't have to pray and ask, God, is it your will for this person to be saved? No, stop praying that prayer. If you're praying that prayer, don't pray that prayer. Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, here it is in the scripture, that God is not willing that anyone should perish and go to hell, but that everyone should come to the saving repentance of Jesus Christ and live forever in heaven. John 6, 43 through 45, Jesus answered and said to them, no one could come unto me unless the Father draws him and I will raise him up in the last day as it is written in the prophets and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. God draws all men near. So pray that God would draw men's hearts near to God. Pray that God would draw them to himself. What are we here to do? We're here to bring the message. And we're here to pray that God would draw people to himself. How many of you know that as good looking as I am, people don't want to come to Christ because, 
because I'm good looking. How many of you want to know that as wonderful as I, I speak, people don't want to come to Christ because I speak well? How many of you know that as blessed as my life is, people aren't lining up to come to Christ because I have a blessed life and they think they can have the same blessed life? It doesn't work that way. You know how it works? God draws their heart. And unless God draws their heart, they're not coming. I could have billions of dollars in the bank and, you know, everything that the world might want, and still they're not going to line up to come to Christ unless God draws their heart. It's God who draws them. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. We're going to read, I think, through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer. We talked about Nash. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful, being thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Pray for open doors so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Here's the Apostle Paul. Let's stop and get a little bit of context, right? Here's the Apostle Paul. Let's just do a little bit of a quick um, resume. Three missionary journeys throughout all of the world, right? Three times he's run around the world visiting all these cities, preaching everywhere as he goes. He preaches day in, day out, sun up, sun down, in light, in dark, through the night, wherever he is, every single time, on the ship, in the prison, in, as he's handcuffed on the ship, on the way to, to Rome at the, the crash in Malta, he's preaching the gospel everywhere, 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 everywhere. I'm telling you what, he's preached the gospel more, than a day, more in a day than most of us have in our entire life. This is the Apostle Paul. He is well-versed in preaching the gospel. He knows how to get it done. He's seen where it hasn't worked, and he's seen where it has worked. He preached in uh, I can't remember the city, name of the city. He preached in the one city, saw nothing. He goes to the next city and he says, I proclaim that I know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he preaches with power and the whole city gets saved. So he knows what works and he knows what doesn't work. Here he is. It's towards the end of his life. He's in prison. He's been there for a while. He decides to write a letter to the church in Colossus. And this is what he has to say. He says, this is how you preach the gospel. Pray. <laughs> if you're going to preach the gospel, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. Pray, pray, pray. He'd been around the world three times, three missionary journeys. He knew what he was doing. He's done it in, out, up, down, gotten good, good results, gotten poor results. And this is what he has to say. Pray for open doors. Pray for open doors. Pray that God would open a door. We could also say pray that God would draw men's hearts. Right? Because what is an open door? An open door is an open heart. God draws the heart. Pray that God would open a door that we might be able to share the gospel. Pray that God would open a door. How many of you know that when God opens a door, it can't be shut? How many of you know that when God opens a door, it's an invitation for us to enter in? And so when we have that open door, then we take, and then we need the next part of the prayer, pray that I may proclaim the gospel clearly as I should. 
the Apostle Paul, three missionary journeys, preaching day in and day out, is saying, hey, pray that I can proclaim the gospel clearly. Are you kidding me? You haven't gotten it down to a, a rote thing yet? Like it's not just ingrained in your memory? Paul's saying, pray that I'll proclaim it clearly. How many of you know that you're only hearing about, you know, I don't know, half of what I'm saying today? Except that prayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> How many of you know that you're not hearing everything that I'm saying today? This is my challenge as a communicator. This is your challenge as a listener. What do we do with challenges? I pray about my challenges. And I repeat myself often. I learned that from preaching to the youth. <laughs> if it's worth saying once, it's worth saying 10 times. <laughs> share the gospel. Share the gospel. God put you here to share the gospel. God wants you to share the gospel. What's my point? God wants you to share the gospel. God wants you to share the gospel. God wants you to share the gospel. God wants you. Maybe you got the point. 10 times. I don't think I did 10. Pray for an open door. Pray that there would be an opening and pray that I would proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Now he's instructing them, make the most of every opportunity. You preach the gospel too. Make the most of every opportunity. Christmas is coming. You're gonna see lots of people that you don't normally see throughout the year. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. Full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You, you know, one thing that I do so that I know how to answer everyone is that I pray to the Holy Spirit. As I'm in conversation, as I'm going into conversation, as I'm walking across the room to go see that person, I'm always praying and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak through me. God, what would you have me to say? God, what would you have me to say? God, what would you have me to say? Do you know a lot of times people ask me questions and I don't necessarily directly answer their question? It's okay, Jesus did the same thing. What we have to get to is what is the question that they're really asking? What is the answer that they're really looking for? I'm not smart enough to do it. I've told you this already. Why? Because they won't even say it. But the Holy Spirit... You know what I was thinking the other day? This is crazy. Jesus lived his, I mean, it's not, I'll tell you when we get to the crazy part. Jesus lived his entire existence on the earth as a man in proper relationship with God. Okay? He was fully God, fully man, and yet fully God, full, right hand, right hand God. Fully God, fully man, yet on the earth he chose not to use his divinity right? Everyone understand this? This is not, I'm not making this up. This is common knowledge, especially in, among almost every theologian that you'll ever talk to. He didn't use his divinity. He didn't do it. He, he was a man in proper relationship with God. So everything that he did, he did in proper relationship with God. So when he prayed for it, when he healed the sick, he didn't do it as God healing people. 
He did it as a man in relationship with God. And it, we're invited to do the same thing because he didn't do it as God. If he did it as God, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. That's amazing. But I can't repeat what God can do. That's not what he did. What he did was he did it with, without his divinity. He did it as a man in relationship with God. And so we're invited into the process. Do you know what else Jesus did? This is the crazy part. He sat at a table and he read people's thoughts. As a man in relationship with God. You know what that means? That means I'm invited into the process. I'm invited to do the same thing. What? <laughs> oh, it's about to get exciting at family dinner, guys. <laughs> We're about to have a whole new revelation going down. Come on. This is real. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. You think, ah, you know, I don't know. You know, no, come on. Jesus did it. He said, all the works that I did, you'll do, and even greater works than these. Sign me up. Oh, it's about to get exciting, guys. Come on. I'm not, I don't make this up. This is, this is Bible. This is in my Bible. I don't know. It's in your Bible? Hey, I'm excited. God is doing something. We are on the cusp. I want to invite you all to walk across the room this year, this Christmas Walk across the room. Next family gathering, walk across the room. Your Christmas holiday party, walk across the room. We're going to have a church thing, you know, but everybody there is saved, so save yourself. You may still need to walk across the room. You know, one of the things we do here at church is we have our same, our, our same safe circles where we get together with those no same people that we normally talk with, ever, ev with after every single service. Practice. Practice. Get out. I'm talking with all my, friend, my, my friends and my safe buddies. Let me leave this safe circle. Let me go talk to somebody that I've never talked to in the room before. Hey, how are you doing? Is it your first time here? No, I've been here for five years. What? Yeah, you've been in your circle. You haven't been paying attention. Little, little secret. Don't ever ask anybody if it's their first time. I'm helping all you out this afternoon. Let's get good at this, guys. Let's get good at sharing the gospel with others. Let's get good at sharing the gospel with family members. Let's get good at sharing the gospel, finding people who need Jesus and telling them all about his love, telling them all about the cross, telling them all about how we're made righteous by what he did, that he paid the price. Jesus paid the price for the sin that I committed and he paid the price that I owed that I couldn't pay myself. This is the glorious news of the gospel. The glorious news of the gospel is that God is holy and I'm a sinner, but God sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin so that my relationship with God can be restored. Through restored relationship comes my ability to go to heaven when I die. I get healing in my body here and now, and I get delivered from every evil on the planet. For far too long, we've talked about salvation in terms of only what it will mean to us in eternity. But I'm here to tell you today that the salvation that Jesus had for us was about a, an abundant life here and now on the earth and eternity with God. 
We can't miss the, we can't miss the, the abundant life here on the earth. We can't miss it. We, have, we actually have to go back. Maybe we have to go back and do it over. When, the, when Jesus lets the, when they let the paralyzed man down on the mat through the roof, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees have a problem. They're like, what are you talking about? His sins are forgiven. And then Jesus says, which is easier? Say that your sins are forgiven to say, pick up your mat and walk. And I'm counting and I'm counting the words and I'm like, no, it's actually more words to say, pick up your mat and walk. How is it any easier than saying your sins are forgiven? I don't understand what you're talking about. And what does Jesus mean? He means it's the same thing. I just said the same thing. I said it in a different way. You're healed. Take up your mat and walk. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. You're going to go to heaven. You're saved. You're delivered from every demonic influence over your life. They don't have any power over you anymore. That's salvation. Let's relearn salvation. Amen? It'll make a huge difference in your life. Glory to God. Glory to God. I, I'm telling you right now, there are, there are healings going out. Even as, I, even as I'm speaking right now, I can sense it. There's people in this room, you're going to receive emotional healing today. They're going to receive physical healing today simply because we've understood salvation differently. Come on, receive it. If you're here today, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and you want to make that decision to follow Christ, I want to ask you, I want to invite you to pray with me. The prayer that I'm going to pray is simply an introduction. The same way that I would introduce you to a friend or a relative, I'm going to introduce you to Jesus. That's what this prayer is all about. And then from there forward is your relationship with him, and you take up the prayer, and you start to pray and talk with him and share your heart with him. And so if that's you and you're here today, I want to invite you uh, to just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. I believe that you lived a sinless life, that you died for my sins on the cross, that on the third day you rose again, and now you're seated with the Father. Help me, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just said, ask Jesus uh, into your life, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you to check the box on the back of your engage card that says, today I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you do that, I'm going to send you some information about what it means to follow Christ and what your next steps are. We do this every single Sunday because I never want to let an opportunity to go by for someone that might not know Jesus or for someone that might Maybe you've been. Maybe they've been coming. Someone's been coming to church for twenty years. Never prayed that prayer. Never actually made a relationship with Jesus. Every single week, you know, unless I'm here and I know every single one of you and you're all saved, I'm going to pray that prayer. The second thing that's good about me praying this prayer is that you're all learning how to lead someone to Christ. You're learning what the gospel message is every single Sunday because we're talking about it. I could be talking about something. We could be talking about worship. But at the end, I'm going to invite people to come to know Christ because we're going to talk about the gospel, and we're going to share the gospel, and you're going to learn about how to share the gospel because it's that important, guys. It's that important. We're going to, we're going to, receive, the, um, we're going to receive communion today, so if you just grab your elements. Communion is ho so holy and special. 
Jesus at the Last Supper instituted communion. We're going to read First uh, Corinthians verse, chapter 11, verse 23. For I receive, Paul says, For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or have died prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Jesus came. God has always moved with his people through covenant. And the New Testament, what we live under today is no different. Jesus came and he made a new covenant. He made a new promise to us. And he did it with the bread and the wine at the table. He said, this bread is my body, which is given for you. Jesus' body accomplished many things. The stripes on his back were for our healing. His body was broken, and it broke down the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It breaks down the walls of separation between the churches. It breaks down every wall that could divide anyone. If you're feeling division in your life, there's healing here in communion. If there's sickness in your body, there's healing here in the body of Christ. This, this bread, which is my body, is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Every single time you take it, remember what Jesus did. Remember his death on the cross. Remember what he accomplished on Calvary. Lord, we remember today, and we declare your goodness. We declare your victory, and we walk in that victory in Jesus' name. Let's take it together. Jesus ate this Passover meal with his disciples and he was the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb in the Old Testament covered over sin so that we didn't so that those who were inside the house didn't have to pay the penalty. Jesus blood washes our sin away. It doesn't just cover it up. All of the Old Testament sin was covered. New Testament, with Jesus, our sins washed away. It no longer exists. And this is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So when we think about the blood, 
when we come and we remember what he did, he is the Passover lamb. He is the perfect Passover lamb. And he paid the price for sin. Sin is costly. And when we sin, there's a debt. And we don't have anything to pay it back. But Jesus, in his great mercy, he came and he paid the price for us. He paid it with his blood. And this is what we remember. We remember what he did for us. If he never did another thing, if it was just about the cross, if it was just about the blood, it's enough. It's all I need. But beyond that, he's restored the relationship with the Father through the blood. He's given us the Holy Spirit through the blood. We're endued with power through the blood. We have his righteousness through the blood. We have new life through the blood. It's all about the blood. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for this cup of the new covenant. And we celebrate today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, remember this Wednesday, Holy Spirit Encounter Night. We hope to see many of you there. Um, invite a friend. Invite somebody who's sick and needs healing. We love to pray for sick people. Listen, the more sick people I can get in the room, the more opportunities there are for healing. So as long as they're not contagious, get them here. And we'll pray for them. We love to pray. And um, Christmas. This Christmas uh, message is going to be entitled, The Gift of Christmas. You may have seen it on the slide during video announcements. Uh, those mailers are going out to 5,000 houses in the area. We're going to have invite cards here uh, shortly. So you're going, we're going to ask you to invite your friends, neighbors, relatives, everyone you know, and people that you meet to come to church on Christmas Eve. And we are going to see God move and do an extraordinary thing. Amen? Amen. Come receive the offering today.